You're listening to the Oddscast, the original UFC betting podcast that's straight to the point. Hosted by leading MMA oddsmaker Nick Kalikas and MMA journalist Brian Hemminger, they provide you the absolute best UFC betting info, picks, statistics, and analysis from the most respected authority in mixed martial arts betting. MMAoddsbreaker.com. Don't place your wagers without us. Welcome to the Oddscast. I'm Brian Hemminger, joined today by leading MMA oddsmaker Nick Kalikas of Circus Sports to break down this Saturday's UFC Vegas 17 event, which takes place in Las Vegas, Nevada. If you're unfamiliar with our format, Nick and I will break down the fight card from top to bottom, providing extensive analysis and a pick for each fight after doing our film study for the event. UFC Vegas 17 features a 12-fight card in total and will be aired in its entirety on ESPN Plus this Saturday night. Let's dive right in. Now, kicking things off on the preliminary card is a 160-pound catchweight fight featuring Carlton Minus, who is 10-2, and and Christos Giagos, who is 17-8. Now, Nick, where did this fight open, and how has the public shifted things so far? A couple quick shout-outs before we get rolling here. First off, I'd like to thank AJ's Bets at AJ MMA betting, of course, one of the MMA oddsbreaker handicappers. Uh, he filled in for me for last week's card. So thank you, AJ. You did a great job. And make sure you guys show your support by heading over to MMAoddsbreaker.com and clicking on that premium picks tab and checking out AJ's bets for this weekend. Show him some love. And again, thanks, AJ, for filling in for me. Now, the opening betting odds that I will be quoting on this podcast are market opening betting odds, and they are from Adam Martin's article on MMAoddsbreaker.com. So make sure you head over and check that article out. Opening odds for UFC Vegas 17 is the title. So those are market openers that I will be quoting, and the updated betting odds are from Circa Sports here in Las Vegas. If you're ever in Vegas, you have to head over to Fremont Street and check out Circa Las Vegas. It's a new casino resort downtown, and it's a must-visit spot, the world's biggest sports book. And, of course, they have all your betting odds as far as UFC and everything else you need there as well. So check out Circa Sports. Now, getting right into the opening betting odds, Jagos opened minus 325, the comeback on minus at plus 250. And right now, looking over Circus Sports, we're seeing Jagos at minus 325, the comeback plus 270. Market-wide, about 300s, 320s out there as well. So it seems to be a ballpark number sitting steady. Of course, Jagos coming in on extreme short notice taking this fight, but it's obviously a very good matchup for him. That's why you're seeing him as a solid favorite in this fight. He's simply the better mixed martial artist. I mean, he excels on the ground here over minus. He should be able to get the takedown, and I think... Once he does get the takedown, there's a likely, a very likely and a good chance that he does finish this fight by submission, I think, or positional control and ground and pound. I think on the feet, it's going to be close as well. Jagos does have some power. I think Minus is pretty slick at times. He does have um, some decent striking, mixes things up well behind his lead jab, and he throws some decent leg kicks as well. So you got to respect his power and his accuracy and his striking ability at some point, but that being said, again, Jagos, I don't think it's anything he hasn't seen before, and I think he's just a level about above minus at this point of his career. So the pick for me, obviously, is Jagos at the betting price right now, at the betting line. You can't uh, really do much with it. I think you have to sit back and kind of just watch this play out. Jagos should get the win, though. So my pick is Jagos. And I was going to pick Rick Glenn to beat uh, minus here. Uh, basically, minus is a guy out of, uh, you know, out of Alaska – that really the only other notable performance that he had before making it to the UFC was stepping in on short notice to fight Rick Story in PFL, and he got smoked there too. So I just really don't think this guy's UFC caliber. Um, I mean, he he made his UFC debut against uh, Semmelsberger and lost pretty convincingly. And I think it's similar things going to happen here. You know, Giagos... The only times he usually loses is when he faces somebody that has like some really good technique, uh, some high technical skill, and they can just, you know, out technique him because he is, you know, physically very strong. He can bully you in there. And I just don't see Minus having that, you know, overall skill to, to handle Giagos here. So I'm going to go Giagos. I think that he wins a convincing decision mixing in striking and grappling. Um, I think that he can push minus around and I think, uh, you know, unless he gets caught with something along the way, it should be, uh, you know, one way traffic for Giagos, even with him taking it on short notice. I think he's more than talented enough to be able to beat minus here. So my pick is going to be Giagos. 
Now, dropping down to the flyweight division, we have Jimmy Flick, who is 15 and 5, taking on Cody Durden, who is 11, 2 and 1. Now, Nick, what's the MMA oddsmaker's perspective on this one? Flick opens minus 155, Durden plus 135, and right now over at Circus Sports, we are seeing minus 150 for Flick, the comeback on Durden at plus 130. So another spot where this line has been out for a while, especially with the post-moment of this fight, Durden being a very popular underdog, and rightfully so. I mean, Flick is an extremely talented grappler, wrestler, submission artist. I mean, this guy has such slick submissions. He gets around your neck, you're done. I mean, pretty much forget about it. There's not much you could do. That's how slick and dangerous this guy is on the ground. Just unorthodox, but technical and effective with the mission skill. So that's what you got to worry about with Flick. But if he's not able to get this fight to the ground, Durden does have a good takedowns. Obviously, he has a wrestling background. He's got some power on the feet as well, and he's the better striker here. So if he can keep this fight upright and kind of keep it where he wants it and avoid getting bad spots on the ground with Flick, obviously he's a live dog and he could win this fight. I wouldn't even be surprised if he has some success if he gets top position on the ground and he avoids Flick throwing up some um, reversal attempts and arm bars and triangles and that sort of thing as well. So I I think Durden can fight very smart and win this fight, but at the same time, I think he is going to end up kind of fighting Durden's game or I mean Flick's game excuse me going to the ground with him a little bit and just getting caught up in Flick's web and I don't think he's gonna be successful getting through it so it's hard not to pick Flick in this spot I think it should be a very exciting fight back and forth we go but I am gonna pick Flick to ultimately get it done by submission here so um, that's my pick and we'll see how it plays out Uh, Durden did impress me in that UFC debut, stepping in on short notice and fighting Chris Gutierrez to a draw. And Gutierrez is, you know, a really talented, dangerous dude. And he was able to outgrapple him for a a round in dominating fashion. And then he did start to slow down and Gutierrez was able to, to win back the fight. And it, you know, ended up being two rounds to one. But, you know, a lot of people scored a Durden a 10-8. So... The problem is, you know, Durden's best success in that fight was his grappling. And, you know, I don't really know if he wants to do that here against Jimmy Flick. You know, Jimmy Flick is a sensational grappler. I mean, maybe Durden has the confidence that he can take Flick down and hold top position without getting caught with something. But Flick is a submission master. I mean, this guy has uh guillotine chokes under his belt. He has shoulder chokes. He has arm triangle chokes. Um you just do not want to get stuck on the ground with this guy. Uh now one thing uh Flick can be knocked out. You know, he he's been uh grounded and pounded. He, he's been, you know, caught. So if Durden is gonna have success, I mean he really needs to start landing punches and in bunches. Um, because, uh, you know, you know, you know, that famous saying, you know, you uh, punch a black belt enough, he becomes a purple belt a few more times. He becomes, you know, a white belt. So if he wants to really avoid those dangerous submissions from flick, just keep hitting him. Um, that being said though, uh, I think flicks ground game is good enough to really fluster Durden and, uh, I don't think Durden is good enough on the feet to, you know, punish flick when it's standing, you know, Durden took a little bit of a pounding uh, in that second half of the fight against Gutierrez. Um, I'm a little concerned about his conditioning as well. I know it was short notice, but he really slowed down in that second and third round against Gutierrez. And that was up a weight class. He wasn't even having to cut that much weight. So uh, this is a really interesting fight. Uh, I'm excited for both of these guys in the UFC flyweight division. They've been adding a lot of uh, talent there lately. But I think that uh, this is Jimmy Flick's fight to lose. I think the submissions are going to come through, and he either taps Durden out or sweeps him and wins the scrambles enough to, to steal a decision. So Flick is going to be my pick. Now, moving up to the middleweight division, we have Tafon and Chukwi, who is 4-0, taking on Jamie Pickett, who is 11-4. Now, Nick... Where did this fight open, and how has the public shifted things so far? Nchukwi opened minus 256, the comeback on Pickett at plus 205 right now over Circus Sports. We are seeing Nchukwi at minus 310, the comeback on Pickett at plus 260. So minus 256, that prag wasn't enough. 
rightfully so. I mean, both these guys are talented. Both these guys have finishing ability. So this is going to be a pretty fun fight. But the difference here is, man, even though he hasn't had a lot of fights under his belt thus far in his career, and Chukwe is a very talented fighter. From what we have seen thus far, man, am I impressed by him. I mean, the ability to keep the fight upright when wrestlers try to take him down, the ability to get top position, ground and pound, the ability that he has on the feet with his accuracy, the striking and the power and the killer instinct that he has. So, I mean, sky's the limit for this guy, for sure. I mean, I like everything that I see, and I think Pickett is a good matchup because Pickett will test him. Pickett has speed. He's got that athleticism. He's got that footwork and movement that kind of makes it difficult to kind of lock down and land a clean shot on him. Although he can be hit and he can be obviously put on his back and, and beat on the ground as well. So, and Chukwe kind of matches up really well with him, but I think Pickett will be a test to a certain extent, if that makes sense. So a really good fight, probably one of the potentially fight of the night candidates, I think on this card, because both these guys are going to come to fight and there's no doubt about that, but I think you have to like in and what we've seen from him so far. So this very well could be a difficult test, but I do think it's one he'll pass. So in Chukwe for the win here, in my opinion. And I agree. Um, and Chukwe is a physical specimen. This guy is big. He's powerful. He's dangerous. Um, the one thing that I think I'm a little concerned about is he doesn't have a ton of speed or explosion. So if Pickett is really utilizing uh, his three-inch reach advantage, um, if he's able to stay on the outside and kind of pick away at Enchukwi, um, it's possible that he could outpoint him if he can play keep away enough uh, and, and just sit on his bicycle and work the outside edges. Uh, I do not think it would be intelligent for Pickett to really engage Enchukwe in a, you know, a, a slug it out brawl type of fight because Enchukwe is just so powerful and dangerous and potentially could just grab a hold of him and, you know, toss him around. So, um, if Pickett wants to win this fight, he really has to have a very specific game plan and fight extremely intelligently. Um, and I'm just not quite convinced he's going to be able to do that. Um, it seems like just about every time he ever steps up for an opportunity, like at that UFC level, he struggles. You know, he, uh, he, he wins all his fights outside the UFC. Uh, but then, you know, Tuesday night contender series back in 2017, he gets, you know, choked out in the end of the first round. Uh, then he fights, uh, a couple gets a couple wins, goes back to contender series, loses a decision. Uh, it was, you know, third time's the charm, uh, this most recent time that finally got, uh, punched his ticket to the UFC. And I'm just not quite convinced that Pickett is, you know, legit. Um, so I think, uh, you know, even though Enchukwe is still very green, uh, I think that he has enough talent and power and, uh, physicality that he can overcome, uh, Pickett's range. I think he does get inside and crack him. And I think he puts him away at some point, whether it's a knockout on the feet or potentially uh ground and pound on the, on the canvas. So, and Chukwe is going to be my pick. Now dropping down to the women's flyweight division, we have Jillian Robertson, who is nine and four taking on Taylor Santos, who is 16 and one. Now, Nick, What's the MMA oddsmaker's perspective on this one? Santos open minus 125. The comeback on Robertson at plus 105. And right now we're seeing pick them at Circus Sports minus 110 either way. Santos minus 110. Robertson one, minus 110 as well. Very intriguing fight. I mean, I'm not surprised by the sport for Robertson. She's been a very popular betting piece for a lot of people out there. I mean, there's no mistake about it. She's been on a roll. I mean, outside of her lost to Barber a few fights back. I mean, the Courtney Casey win, the Botello win in her last fight as well. Very impressive, man. I mean, she's definitely showcased her ground game and what she's capable of doing and what she does best. She's growing as a mixed martial artist overall. Her stand-up is improving for sure, and I'd like to see that in her game, but overall, she knows what her strength is, and it's getting the fight to the floor and working her grappling. So that's the advantage she has over most opponents, and including Santos here. If she could get top position on Santos, Santos could be in some serious trouble. But I think that's where people are kind of underestimating Santos a little bit. I mean, she's coming off of a, a very solid win, and I think she got some respect back over Molly McCann. Uh, you know, but we're Lost some of that uh, 
I think, respect in her UFC official UFC uh, debut against Barella. So she, I think, earned some of that back, and she needed to. And I think she showed some improvement in her conditioning. I think her fight IQ as well. She's got that length that, that gives a lot of these ladies problems in this weight class as well. She has good striking. She's got that killer instinct, a good tie plum. I mean, there's a lot to like about it. And on the ground, she's not a fish out of water either. I think she's very capable of doing good things, especially if she gets top position. I mean, she, and she could utilize those long legs and limbs to her advantage as well. So she's not an easy person to deal with across the board. I actually think she matches up extremely well with Robertson in this spot. I think she will be able to stuff some of the takedowns. I think she will be able to get top position, and I think she will be able, able to outstrike Robertson along the way as well. So I'm going to actually lean Santos, and I think the opening betting odds were a little bit more accurate than the current price right now that we're seeing at a pick em exactly. I think Santos should be a very slight favorite. But, again, according to most bettors out there and according to the fans, I understand it, and I'm expecting Robertson to continue to see action. But for me, I think it's a Santos or pass situation in this spot. Yeah, Robertson's ground game is definitely legitimate. And against most fighters in the women's 125-pound division, I think she would have a, a pretty serious edge there. But uh, Taylor Santos is pretty talented on the ground, you know. I think on the feet, she has a distinct advantage here. So it's really going to boil down to can she fend off um, Robertson, uh, avoid getting put on her back, and then just get to work on the feet because she is super dangerous there. I mean, this girl has a very wide variety of uh, stoppages, whether it's with elbows, with punches, with head kicks. Um, I mean, she's got a doctor stoppage. I mean, she finishes girls and her only ever career loss, you know, it was not a pretty performance against uh, Mara Barella, the, the split decision loss, but uh, she has been very impressive in just about every other fight that she's ever had. So, you know, and this is a girl that is in her physical prime at 27 years old. I think that, you know, she's ready to really kick it up a notch. And Robertson, she's one-dimensional. If she can't get takedowns, if she cannot get her ground game going, she's a fish out of the water. We've seen that. Uh, when she's stuck and forced to, to stand and trade, it's just not pretty. Um, I think Santos is going to light her up on the feet and... Uh, and Virgin is going to be at takedown or bust mode and perhaps she does get some and you know that would be really big for her but I just don't think that she gets it enough and I think that Santos is good enough offensively to avoid being put in a really perilous position and I think that she can get back to her feet if she does get taken down so my pick is going to be Santos I think she goes to work on the feet here now Moving up to a 195-pound catchweight, we have Darren Wynn, who is 6-2, taking on Antonio Arroyo, who is 9-3. Now, Nick, where did this fight open, and how has the public shifted things so far? Arroyo minus 175, the comeback on win at plus 150. That was the opening price. And right now what we're seeing over at Circus Sports is Arroyo minus 180, the comeback on win at plus 155. There has been some movement back and forth on this line, though. It has dropped. Win was getting some decent action um, at some point, And now we're starting to see a little bit more action come in on Arroyo as well. So there is two-way action in this fight, believe it or not. It's a tough one, though. I mean, Win obviously could be a very well live dog here in this spot. I mean, with his wrestling pedigree, with the type of fighter he is and what he's capable of doing on, on a good day. We haven't seen many of those over when that's a problem, but I mean, stylistically and on paper, what he can really accomplish in this fight is getting the takedowns and controlling the fight and kind of grinding out a Royal Royal has had some problems in the past with people kind of, you know, taking him down and out grappling him as well. But overall, I think Arroyo is a better mixed martial artist and what we've seen from him is better than what we've seen from Wynn. I mean, he's been, Wynn has been a disappointment. He hasn't lived up to his potential, um, especially with the background and the wrestling pedigree and everything that he has. I think we're all expecting to see a lot better things from him uh, in the middleweight division. He just hasn't lived up to it. And I don't think we're going to see that here in this fight either. I think Arroyo is more of the improving up and coming fighter. And I do think he can stuff some takedowns here, especially as Wynn does start to slow down. I think Arroyo can definitely heat 
the pace up a little bit, do some damage, possibly get wind out of there on the feet or by submission if he gets his back or, or something uh, along those lines as well. So I think Arroyo will win two out of three rounds here, and I think he has a potential to finish his fight as well. So it'll be close if he hits the scripts because I think, you know, with Wynn's fighting style and, and his grinding, I think ability, it will definitely make things interesting on the cards but that being said it should still be a royals decision and like i said i think he has the potential to finish as well so it's hard not to like a royal spot but as the line climbs it makes it tougher and tougher to bet so you got to be careful with the betting window yeah uh win has just been a huge disappointment as nick said you know he came into the ufc with a huge wave of hype undefeated gets a win over eric spicely in his debut and then ever since then, it's just been worse and worse every time we see him. Uh, you know, it started with a split decision loss to Darren Stewart. You know, that's really nothing to be ashamed of. Stewart's a pretty good middleweight. Uh, but then, uh, getting finished by Gerald Mearshart, you know, a, a pretty mid, mid-tier middleweight. So, uh, and then he loses a wrestling match. So this guy just can't seem to figure it out right now. And, and honestly, I'm not sure he will. Um, you know, as good as his wrestling pedigree is, he's really not showcasing it that much in the UFC. So unless he really has been working exclusively, like to me, it seems like he's been working on every other part of his game and just assuming that wrestling is going to be a given. But, uh, I mean, you can't just come into the UFC, uh, with a, you know, an, an elite wrestling pedigree and not also be working on MMA wrestling. Cause it's, it's a different animal with, a the cage with uh, the bare feet uh, with a lot of the, the rules that are in place. So I just don't know. Maybe he just still is trying to figure it out, but I think that, you know, he's regressing a little bit. Um, and uh, Arroyo on the other hand, you know, this guy's dangerous. He's got uh, some power on the feet and he's got some submission skills. And as we saw, uh, you know, Win was tapped out by uh, Mearshart. So, you know, it's possible that even if Win does get his wrestling going a little bit, he could get caught with something. Um, I think on the feet, uh, Win is going to be outgunned here. You know, he's giving up some, some height and reach. Um, if Arroyo can uh, work that outside and, uh, and keep Win at the end of his jab, that could really fluster him. So, I think this is, you know, an interesting fight. I think it's uh, a compelling matchup. And I think that Arroyo is actually game here. Um, you know, I know the hype was on win, but uh, Arroyo might be getting a uh, ceiling a little bit of that come uh, fight night. So uh, my pick is Arroyo. I think that he doesn't just win. I think he might put, put win away at some point. So Arroyo is going to be my pick. Now, dropping down to the women's bantamweight division, we have Penny Kianzad, who is 13 and 5, taking on Sajara Eubanks, who is 6 and 5. Now, Nick, what's the MMA oddsmaker's perspective on this one? Eubanks minus 175, Kianzad plus 150. That was the opening price. And right now, what we're seeing over Circus Sports, Eubanks minus 155, Kianzad plus 135. So, another spot where it has been bet up and down a little bit. Um, we did see Kianzad get some action early on, but now we're seeing more people betting on Eubanks and the line's kind of climbing as we speak, and rightfully so. I mean, Eubanks has definitely always been kind of under the radar. I mean, if you look at her record on paper, she's almost a 500 fighter or whatnot. She doesn't get the respect she kind of deserves, and it has showed at times at the betting window. But I think now, obviously, the hardcore fans and the betters out there that are betting the UFC weekend and we don't realize what kind of talent she is. And stylistically, this could be a very difficult matchup for Kanzad. I mean, obviously, Eubanks using that wrestling, using that grinding style she has, she's not a fish out of water on the feet either. I think stepping up to this weight class has been the best move for her because she had such a devastating weight cut, um, you know, trying to make 125. So I think the bantamweight division is definitely more comfortable for her. Her gas tank is a little bit better as well, and she is definitely a very solid fighter. But that being said, Kanzad, I think, continues to get better. She, I think she kind of came into the ultimate fighter with a little bit too much hype, you know, with her 
career before she kind of got officially into the UFC, there was a lot of high expectations. She had a decent resume or whatnot, but I never was overly impressed. But since her time on the show and what we've seen recently, she's put the work in and she's getting better. I think her striking is definitely something you have to really you know, take your hat off to because I think she's improved as far as the power and the intensity of her striking has gotten a lot better. I think she definitely has that killer instinct as well. She's getting better as far as stuffing takedowns or takedown defense is to the point where it's not easy to take her down and put her on her back. She has a little bit of a submission game as well, but she can be bullied now. And that's exactly what Eubanks is going to try to do in this spot. But I'm not sure if if the line where it's at right now is kind of justified. I think it's going to be more of a pick type of fight, and Kianzad can win this fight on the scorecards. Obviously, we're not going to probably see a finish here either way, um, but I, I do like what I see as far as potential in that aspect of things as well, because like I said, Kianzad does have that kind of killer instinct, and she's fighting a little bit more aggressive and a little bit harder, but you have to be cautious with Eubanks, her submission skill, her position, and her control as well. So it should be a, a very close and interesting fight, but I am going to lean – a little bit more towards Eubanks because of the control, but at the betting window, I think it's a dog or pass situation. I think everybody kind of leaning towards Eubanks here and willing to bet her, thinking that she is definitely going to get the scorecards. I think you got to think twice and reconsider it a little bit here, and, and I think it's going to be a lot closer than most people anticipate. But the pick, as far as a coin flip, I think you have to slightly lean Eubanks' way. And I agree. Um, you know, both of these women are pretty talented. Uh, Kianzad has really started to come into her own and flashed some decent striking and has been able to keep, but she really hasn't faced a, a decent ground fighter, uh, since, you know, that first UFC fight when, uh, she got kind of dominated by, uh, Macy Chieson. So I think, uh, coming here against Cesare Eubanks, uh, if Cesare Eubanks can get a takedown, I think Kianzad's going to be in some trouble. You know, Eubanks does have a really strong grappling base. So uh, if she can get top position, I think that she can do damage from ground and pound. I think she can do damage with submission attempts. We've seen Kianzad struggle when taken down, whether it was back in Invicta when she fought for the title um, or, uh, you know, in that UFC debut, uh, I think from the tough finale. So I think, uh, if it stays upright, it's going to be interesting because Eubanks is a pretty good striker. And I would say Kianzad is, you know, a notch above. So I don't think that she would dominate Eubanks on the feet, but I think that she could potentially outpoint her to a victory if it stays standing the whole time. Uh, but just that extra threat of Eubanks being able to shoot in for a takedown and putting Kianzad on her back. Uh, I think that really puts her over the top for me. If she can make this a complete MMA fight, mix in the stand-up, maybe get Kianzad to lower her defense a little bit, time a good takedown, I think she's going to be in good shape. So I'm going to go with Eubanks. I think that a takedown or two is going to be the deciding factor in this fight, and Eubanks is going to be my pick. Now, moving up to the welterweight division, we have Anthony Pettis who is 23 and 10 taking on Alex Morono, who is 18 and six. Now, Nick, where did this fight open and how has the public shifted things so far? Pettis opened minus 330 to come back on Morono plus 270. And right now what we're seeing over at Circus Sports, minus 215 on Pettis to come back on Morono at plus 185. So that 300 price tag did not last. I mean, back in the day, that, that that price would be a little light. I mean, you'd have to go a little bit heavier because I think Pettis was definitely one of the best lightweights in the world and one of the best fighters on the roster. But unfortunately, it is 2020. We've seen, I think, the best days of Anthony Pettis kind of behind him. And Morono is definitely no joke. I mean, he's a very solid fighter and very capable fighter. That's why you're seeing respect at the betting window in a very competitive line right now in 2020 with an Anthony Pettis over Morono matchup, which is kind of crazy if you really think about it. But that being said, I think it, it will be a competitive fight. I mean, Pettis is by far the better, again, mixed martial artist across the board. He's a better striker. He's got a little bit of more speed. I think, obviously, he's got a better submission game overall. He should have the takedown defense to stuff takedowns and keep this fight upright as well, even though Morono is getting better in a lot of those areas as far as his wrestling offense. Defensively, he does need to improve it a little bit. I mean, he has been put on his back at times, but again, I, I continue to see those improvements in his game. Morono has that underrated punching power as well, so Anthony Pettis can't take him lightly on the feet, but historically, Pettis has had a pretty decent chin over Role. So I think this should be a pretty fun fight. The only problem is, I mean, Pettis stepping in here on shorter notice as well. 
We've seen him slow down at times in fights. I mean, he should be okay in this spot. I think he can pace himself and, and make it three. But, I mean, again, I, there's too much question marks and, and too much surrounding Pettis, is, in my opinion, that I really can't have the confidence to say, go ahead and back him as a minus 200 favorite in this spot. So for me, I'm going to pick him to win. I think he should win. Uh, more times than not, but at the price tag, I think you have to kind of look at Murano or just kind of stay away from it. So it's a dog or pass situation. Again, it's 2020. We're not seeing, you know, the Pettis that we're used to seeing in the past that was just so amazing and fun and, and, you know, when winning all these fights, I mean, right now his fights are a lot more competitive than you'd like to see. So with that, I don't think you can lay the chalk on him, but my pick is Pettis. Now, brief disclaimer. I can't remember the last time I got an Alex Marone correct. Uh, every time I pick him to win, he gets knocked out in like 30 seconds. And every time I pick him to lose, he ends up stepping up his game and outpointing someone over the course of three rounds and winning a decision. Now, on paper, Anthony Pettis should be destroying this guy. Uh, his technique is better. His overall MMA skill is better. He has more power. Uh, Pettis has significantly more experience, but, you know, Pettis historically has been a lightweight. He's fought as low as 145 in the past. Um, and Morono is a little bit bigger and, and, uh, longer. So it's also, you know, Pettis is in a bit of a decline, although he has, uh, picked up a few notable victories over that time period, uh, notably, uh, beating, uh, Cowboy Cerrone in his last fight, uh, the comeback knockout of Steven Thompson. So, uh, he's still a capable, uh, fighter, but, um, um, and he does have power and he mixes it up pretty well. So I think that he's good enough to beat Morono here. I think he should, you know, again, on paper, convincingly beat Morono, but just, I just want to reiterate that I get Alex Morono's fights wrong every single time. So I, you know, if you want to, you know, bet against me here, have at it. But, uh, Anthony Pettis is going to be my pick. I think that he can win a decision here. I think he could submit Morono if it somehow goes to the canvas. And I think he can knock Morono out as well. So my pick is going to be Pettis. Now moving on to the main card. We have a heavyweight contest featuring Marcin Tibura, who is 20 and 6, taking on Greg Hardy, who is 7 and 2. Now, Nick, what's the MMA odds maker's perspective on this one? Tibura opened minus 135, the comeback on Hardy at plus 115. And right now, what we're seeing over Circus Sports, Hardy minus 117, the comeback on Tibura plus, or minus 103, excuse me, minus 117, minus 103. That's it's a price tag right now with the Hardy being the slight favorite. So early action did come in Hardy's way, but we are seeing some two-way action on this one as well because, of course, you're going to see some Tabura action back. I mean, he is the, definitely the more accomplished fighter. If you look at his resume, he's faced the better competition throughout his UFC career thus far. He's on a three-fight winning streak. After I personally thought he was probably on his way out the door, uh, he proved me wrong and showed me that he did have that will to win and he still wanted to stay on that roster and kind of, you know, climb his way back towards the top. So you got to be impressed by Tabura in that regard. And I think the guy is definitely a very talented heavyweight. Again, outside of the good competition he's faced, I mean, the, he's not bad on the feet. He could definitely be effective with the striking. Uh, he mixes things up fairly well, has a little bit of power. You have to respect it. Um, also, with his wrestling and his ground game, I think he's obviously been improving that constantly throughout his UFC career. And I think that's where he's going to have the biggest advantage here against Greg Hardy. If he can get this fight to the floor, Hardy's in some serious trouble. So Sabura, a very intelligent fighter in that regard. I know he's going to try to get that. I mean, even in his last fight against Rothwell, I think, you know, it was a pretty competitive fight. But that that's kind of where... He kind of separated himself more than anything else, I think, he, getting timely takedowns and, and fighting very smart. And I think he's going to try to implement that same type of game plan here against Hardy. And if he can do that, he's going to win this fight. But Hardy always improving. One of these amazingly freakish athletes in a good way. Obviously, a former all-pro football player. I mean, we all know what kind of talented special athlete he was in the NFL. It's carried over really well into MMA. I mean, he's just improving so fast between fights, and he's kind of absorbing everything and soaking everything in like a sponge, man. So this guy, with his power, with his speed, with his 
you know, intensity, everything he brings to the table. He's fighting a lot more patient, a lot smarter. Um, obviously he hits extremely hard. So I like what I see. I mean, he's, his IQ is growing, um, fight by fight in the octagon. We're seeing it right in front of our eyes as well. There's just a lot to like about Hardy right now. And if he can stuff the takedowns, I know Taburo's going to be giving him fits on the feet, but I think he's going to be able to land the harder shots. And I'm not so sure Taburo can't take the punches that Hardy's going to be throwing at him here in this spot. So I like Hardy. I mean, not an easy one to pick. This is definitely one of those fights that's going to kind of make or break Hardy's career. I mean, maybe he's not ready. Maybe this is too much too soon for Hardy. I'm not so sure. I think he can probably get this done. And obviously what a win this will be um, on his resume if he can. So I'll, I'll go his way and kind of go against, I think, the normal train of thought, which a lot of people, I believe, are thinking he's not ready for Tabura. I'm going to say he is, and I think he gets it done. So my pick is Greg Hardy to beat Marcin Tabura. And Hardy could win this fight. I mean, he's got that freakish athleticism. He's got monster power. And if he could connect on Tabura's chin, he absolutely could put him out. That being said, Tabura is the more well-rounded fighter. I mean, he is better than Hardy on the ground. I think he's more technical on the feet in terms of what he's capable of doing in terms of combinations and head kicks and uh, putting things together. Um, obviously Tibura is not good enough to defeat the elite of the elite in the division. Um, you know, he struggled, uh, ended up getting finished against guys like Derek Lewis, Fabrice Verdum, when Verdum was a little closer to his prime. Um, uh, his most recent loss was to Augusto Sokai, a guy that, you know, is fringe top 15, uh, at the heavyweight division, but it seems like he's figuring it out. His last three fights, he's won, uh, and including a, a pretty impressive performance against Ben Rothwell, um, his last time out. So I feel, feel like, uh, Tibora is still fighting at a high level at age 35. He's won three in a row and Hardy is still pretty green. Now Hardy could clip him and take him out, but uh, I feel like, you know, Hardy already was tested once against a top heavyweight and he lost pretty convincingly to Alexander Volkov. Um, he was losing to Jorgen DeCastro before DeCastro hurt his leg on a kick. And I think, uh, Tabora could outpoint him on the feet. And I think that he could uh, go to work on the ground if, uh, it does go there. Um, again, Hardy could put his lights out with one monster punch, but I think, that there's a good chance that Tibora outpoints him, outgrapples him, or clips him along the way. So I'm going to go Tibora. Now, dropping down to the Bantamweight division, we have Marlon Moraes, who is 23-7-1, taking on Rob Font, who is 17-4. Now, Nick, where did this fight open, and how has the public shifted things over? Race minus 175, the comeback on Font at plus 150. That was the opening price. Right now at Circus Sports, we're seeing race minus 155, the comeback on Font at plus 135. So another spot, we are seeing two-way action. This line's been up and down a little bit. Tough one, man. I mean, tough one at the betting. Race would be a higher favorite for sure if he hasn't had this kind of two-out-of-three fight losing skid. And, and, and that fight in between Aldo, even though it's, it's Jose Aldo, I mean, a lot of people could say he lost that one as well. I mean, that was a close fight. I personally thought Aldo beat him, so... I mean, this could be a three-fight losing skid, but look at the competition level Mursat and faced in, in, in the past and historically throughout his career, how good he's been. I mean, a former WSOF champion, of course, getting that title shot against Cejudo and uh, starting off really well, but we all seen how it kind of ended, though. So that on, I mean, I think there's a lot of question marks. And Moraes, he could be seeing that spot in his life, unfortunately, in his career that he is hitting that decline and, and we could be seeing it right in front of our eyes. So that's what makes Font intriguing here. And I think that's what makes him a tempting underdog. I mean, Font is a really good striker. We know that he's a well-rounded martial artist, but it's his striking that he excels at. He's very smart with, and methodical the way he goes about things. He's very accurate. Um, he has power, underrated power on the feet as well. And he has got the ability, you know, with that killer instinct to finish you. Once he has you hurt, I mean, he'll pounce and, and get the jump as well. So in the past, you know, he's lost to fighters like a Sun Sal, which has kind of mixed in some takedowns. We're able to out grapple him a little bit. 
um, and submission type of fighters. I think that those are the kind of fighters that give him a little bit more problems if they're dominant in those areas. But Marais, even though he's capable of winning by submission in most spots, and he has some wrestling, he just doesn't kind of use it. He, that's not his go-to. So this is going to be a striker versus striker type of matchup. And I think the improvements that we've seen from Fon, he's still on the rise, I think, as far as his UFC career, and he's getting better in those fights. So whereas Marais, I think we're, we've kind of seen him plateaued and not actually look as good as we all want him to. So in that kind of circumstance, I think you almost have to go with Font. So I'm actually going to lean with Font. I think it's a dog or pass situation. Maybe we're writing Marais off a little bit too soon here. Of course, that could be the case, but I can't really put my money on him um, as, and lay that kind of chalk right now until we find out for sure that he can go on a run against solid level competition and perform at a high level that we're all used to with his conditioning, with his chin, everything kind of holding up. I think Font is going to be a guy that can test him in that regard. So my pick is Font, and I think it's a dogger pass situation. Yeah, Marace has been tested, and he passed those tests at one point, you know, getting the victories over Dodson, knocking out Sterling, knocking out Jimmy Rivera, finishing a Sunsau to put himself in that elite position to challenge for the belt. Um, and ever since then, he struggled, you know, ever since that first round of the title fight against Cejudo, when he was lighting Cejudo up, um, it's been a, it's been struggle, struggle for, for Marais. Um, he slowed down in that fight and ended up getting finished in the third round. Um, then he had, you know, as Nick said, you know, the, the tough fight against, uh, Aldo that could have gone either way. And then most recently, you know, the Sandhagen fight again, uh, you know, he came out kind of decent early and then Sandhagen just started finding a home against him and ended up putting him away in the second round with a wheel kick. Um, it's, you know, this MMA, you know, as good as Marais has been, um, MMA is a, what have you done for me lately sport? And basically for two and a half fights, uh, Marais has not looked good, um, um, now Rob Font hasn't fought in a year, so that's a concern. And this is definitely, in my opinion, the, the best fighter he's faced. You know, Font has been in there against some of the best in the world, but he really hasn't quite got that, you know, over the top performance yet. Um, every time he's really stepped up to the best of the best, um, he hasn't been able to, uh, get the win, whether it was Don Lineker the first time he stepped up. Uh, then he stepped up against Pedro Munoz, ended up getting choked out. Most recently, he lost a decision to uh, a Sunsau back in 2018, but his last two performances were good. You know, he uh, was able to uh, win decisions against uh, Sergio Pettis and Ricky Simone, uh, both really talented fighters, well-rounded fighters. Um, so it'll be really interesting to see if he is fighting at that same high level right now. And if he can uh, step up because this would by far be the most impressive and biggest win of his career. This could actually get him in the mix at 135. Uh, he's, he's kind of been on that fringe in the, you know, the bottom bit of the top 15 in uh, Bantamweight. But, I mean, this would cement him as, you know, potentially a top five guy if he could uh, walk away with a win here. So uh, it just depends. If the Marlon Moraes shows up that went on that monster winning streak against elite opponents and earned the title shot, uh, I think Moraes wins convincingly. But if the Moraes shows up that is only good for about a round and then starts to slow down and then just can get caught and finished... Um, then I think Font has the power, the durability to survive early against Marais and then take him out. You know, uh, in his last performance, you know, Ricky Simone, that guy has a gas tank for days and Font was able to, uh, go toe to toe with him and win a decision. So I think conditioning is not going to be an issue for Font. Um, and if Marais can't, keep a, a strong performance going for three full rounds, I'm going to go with Font. So Font is going to be my pick. I think he does pick up that trademark win. Now, moving up to the welterweight division, we have uh, Mikel Pereira, who is 24-11, taking on Chaos Williams, who is 11-1. Now, Nick, 
What's the MMA oddsmaker's perspective on this one? Prayer open minus 175. The comeback on Williams at plus 150. And right now, over at Circa Sports, is currently minus 120 for Pereira. The comeback on Williams at even money. So line margins have tightened up. And a lot more action coming in Williams' way across the market. Man, I'll tell you what, hard to bet against Chaos Williams. I mean, what he's done so far in a short UFC career in two fights, I mean, he's just destroyed his opponents. I mean, this guy has a kind of special knockout power that you just can't teach. I mean, Al-Hassan had no shot. I mean, the fight barely even played out. And effortlessly, Williams was able to KO him. And Al-Hassan is a very solid fighter. I mean, that was just crazy to see that. And, of course, Morono, who's fighting Pettis, as we saw, did not last with him either. Williams destroyed him early on in that fight as well. I think he's had under a minute in two fights so far in the octagon, which is just crazy impressive. I understand a lot of people are saying, oh, that's not enough to say or figure out whether he's legit or not. I understand it. But the problem is that's enough to know that this guy has some crazy kind of knockout power that you don't want to lay chalk against this guy until we see how miserable it can be. Meaning when he loses, it's going to be ugly and it's going to be a highlight reel on the other end, I think. And this could be the fight. Pereira could be the man to kind of do that, to make Williams kind of look terrible in this spot, you know, with a, a ugly knockout type loss or submission loss that could definitely be the case prayer is a better mixed martial artist obviously he's a very exciting fighter this is such good matchmaking by the ufc i mean craziness could uh definitely pursue here because i think that you know again way prayer fights i mean he's been fighting a little bit more patient a little bit more methodical as of late but at the same time we see that craziness in his game and the effectiveness that he can kind of deliver from it as well and I like what I see. His conditioning, everything's improving. Um, he's getting a little bit more mature, which I think we needed to see as well. So he's definitely the better mixed martial artist and should be able to win this fight. So with him being a slight favorite, I can understand it. But again, if you're putting your money against him, it's very difficult until we see the weaknesses in his game kind of come out. And they will eventually. But I don't know. I mean, even Pereira, with how crazy uh, he goes about his fighting style sometimes, even though I'm saying he got more mature. I mean, defensively, there is a concern because he does leave some openings with his kind of crazy aggression and the way he's unorthodox style is as well. It leaves himself vulnerable to some big shots, and Williams could definitely deliver on that. So what I'm trying to say is this is going to be nuts, man. I'm going to actually – pick Pereira because I think he is a better mixed martial artist, so I won't go against him in this spot. But again, if you're betting it, I wouldn't necessarily bet against Williams either. So that makes sense to you. I would kind of listen and uh, and probably just sit back and enjoy this one as well and, and see the chaos, pardon the pun, kind of ensue because I think this is going to be fireworks for sure. You know, I, I want to keep picking against Chaos Williams, but uh, that power is terrifying. I mean, this guy, I I know that at some point, as Nick said, you know, he's going to lose and it's not going to look pretty, but, you know, he was, uh, you know, he's he went from three and one and now he's uh, 11 and one. And this guy is extremely capable. Um, basically, uh, his two UFC fights so far, he's come in as an underdog and obliterated his opponent. I mean, not just win, but, uh, taking out Alex Morano, a guy that has racked up several quality wins in the UFC, taking him out in 27 seconds, and then taking on Abdul Razak Al-Hassan, one of the scariest, most powerful, dangerous, welterweights on the roster and if you watched that fight he landed a shot that looked like it got deflected and he knocked Alhassan out cold stiff in 30 seconds first time that Alhassan had ever been finished like that um, it was unbelievable absolutely unbelievable so I mean this guy has to have some of the most devastating, pure one-punch power in the welterweight division. I mean, if he hits anybody real good, I mean, they are going out cold. Um, now, Pereira, you know, I expect this to be a stand-up fight, and Pereira is the better striker in terms of technique. I mean, this guy can mix things up. He throws some of the most unique strikes of anybody on the roster, and he does some of the craziest things 
in fights. I mean, he's, he's done a backflip in a fight in the UFC and he gasses himself out doing some of that stuff and he makes some poor decisions. That's how he lost, uh, to Tristan Connolly, um, and an illegal knee and a fight he was dominating against Diego Sanchez in the third round. That cost him a win as well. So, um, I would not be surprised if, you know, he goes for some ridiculous attack, leaves himself exposed, and K.S. Williams lands one huge shot and lights him up and uh, takes him out. That absolutely could happen. But on the flip side, I can totally see Pereira styling on Williams, avoiding uh, maybe uh, a telegraphed heavy uh, hooks that uh, Williams likes to throw. And just going to work on him with, uh, you know, some devastating kicking, uh, some, you know, unique stand-up strikes, whether it's spinning attacks, you name it. This guy do it. So, you know, I'm fascinated by this fight. I really think it could be, you know, over in 10 seconds. It could last the full decision. I mean, I'm just not quite sure what's going to happen. But I know it's going to be entertaining. And I know it probably is going to be something even crazier than than what I'm imagining in my my mind right now. So I'm going to pick Pereira just because I think the skill is superior, but William's power is a huge trump card. And like I said, all it takes is one good shot with him and he could be uh, putting Pereira out cold, but my pick will be Pereira. Now moving on to the co-main event of the evening in the Bantamweight division, we have Jose Aldo, who is 28 and 7, taking on Marlon Vera, who is 18, 6 and 1. Now, Nick, where did this fight open and how has the public shifted things so far? Aldo opened minus 125, the comeback under plus 105. And right now, what we're seeing over at Circus Sports, minus 140 on Aldo, the comeback on Vera, plus 120. So Aldo getting a little bit more love and a little bit more support overall. Not really that surprising. I think the surprising thing is for most people seeing this line be that competitive. But again, another scenario where it is 2020 and Jose Aldo is not the fighter he used to be despite his performance against Jan in his last fight. I mean, that was not a bad performance, obviously. And a lot of people believe that he still has enough left in the tank because he went three strong rounds. And again, Peter Jan is, is one of the best obviously in the world right now and he was on the rise and you know i mean aldo wasn't supposed to win that fight so you got to take your head off to him and he did show a lot of heart and ability i mean in, in that fight before that too against Marais, i mean arguably he won that fight so, and is he past it not necessarily i mean he's showing some life but still he's not the fighter i think he once was when he did reign over the featherweight division when he was a featherweight king i, I don't see i don't think we're seeing that version of aldo uh, but we are seeing still a pretty decent one. And that said, though, I do think a lot of it, Vera is on the rise. He continues to impress me, man. I mean, this guy's getting better and better. I mean, typically speaking, in this fight, it's, you know, the length is going to be comparable. He's not going to have a big reach advantage over Aldo. But, I mean, he utilizes that reach over most of his opponents pretty well. His striking continues to get better. He's tough. He's durable. He's got a really good ground game. His wrestling offensively and defensively continues to improve as well. So I think what you're seeing here is Vera at age 28 kind of growing into his frame, getting a little bit physically stronger, and just kind of hitting the prime of his career. And he's facing Aldo, I think, at the right time, where Aldo is kind of coming off that tough fight. Whatever you want to say about the Jan fight, I mean, it was still a difficult fight, and he took a beating by the end of that fight. So I don't think that that's going to kind of bode well for him as his career progressed, taking those kind of you know beatings and those kind of finishes in that spot. So even though he hasn't taken a lot of those, we're still starting to see Jose Aldo take more and more abuse as his career kind of unwinds. And I think Vera is the fresher, younger, hungrier fighter in this spot. And this is a place where he can do enough to keep this fight close, competitive. And actually, as the fight progresses, I think he can land some damaging shots and kind of sway the judges his way. And again, when it comes to the ground game, Aldo, obviously a very good jiu-jitsu practitioner in fact he's been undervalued and underrated throughout his career with his jiu-jitsu game and his wrestling he just kind of doesn't go to that he doesn't utilize that stuff enough so we haven't got to see it but it's, it is definitely there that said i still think vera at this moment in time is better on the ground and more capable there as well so i'm gonna pick another upset here i think vera has what it takes to kind of place spoiler here and pull off the upset and get the biggest win of his career obviously and this is going to kind of propel him 
to the next level, you know, in his fighting career with the UFC. So this is a, a huge opportunity for Vera. I think he's, it's one that he can actually pass and, and take advantage of and win. So I'm going to pick Vera. I think it's a dog or pass situation, especially at the plus money. Um, it should be a competitive fight either way, though, and I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, re- looking at this fight, it just kind of comes down to has Aldo declined enough for Vera to catch up with the improvements that Vera has made? Um, Vera is on a really impressive surge. Um, quality victories over guys like uh, Frankie Sane, Dre Ewell, most recently, you know, really great performance against Sean O'Malley. Um, and you could argue that he could have won that uh, Song Yadong fight. So, you know, this is a guy fighting at a very, very high level right now. And Aldo, I, I don't know. Like, the, I think the story of Aldo's, you know, complete decline is a little bit overrated. Um, you know, the, Aldo had a competitive fight against Volkanovsky that he lost. Uh, he had a very competitive fight against Marlon Moraes, split decision. And he was competitive with Peter Jan for three full rounds, started to slow down in the fourth, and then obviously got put away in the fifth. But this is a three-round fight, so uh, I don't think conditioning will be too much of an issue here. Um, and Aldo, if he fights at that same level that he just fought for the belt, I think he's going to be in decent shape. Um, you know, Aldo is an elite striker with great power, great defense, really good, subtle head movement. I think he can fluster Vera. You know, part of Vera's strength is that he can also go for submissions. I don't think that'll be something he can do against Aldo. Um, you know, Aldo does have strong ground game. Um, the only thing I'm a little worried about is, uh, Aldo, if he gets taken down, it doesn't happen often, but say he gets hurt or at some point, uh, his opponent gets top position. He does eat shots from uh, when his opponent's in top position. So I think that might be the best path to victory here for Vera is to try to, to get this to the floor and go to work from top. Uh, because on the feet, I think it's going to be competitive. But, I mean, you have to go with Aldo, especially if he's fresh. Um, I mean, he's just too good at finding those you know key moments to – to land that nasty strike, the, the the heavy leg kicks. Um, I think he can do some real serious damage. I think his kicks will be a lot scarier than Vera's, and Vera's kicks are good. So, you know, this is going to be a fun competitive scrap. And, you know, even with Aldo having lost three in a row and taking on somebody that is, you know, making a huge surge, I still think that Aldo can win this fight. So I'm going to go Jose Aldo. I think that he still has something left in the tank here. Now, moving on to the main event of the evening in the welterweight division, we have Stephen Thompson, who is 15 and 4 and 1, taking on Jeff Neal, who is 13 and 2. Now, Nick, what's the MMA oddsmaker's perspective on this one? Thompson minus 115, Neal minus 105. And right now, what we're seeing over at Circus Sports, it's Neal minus 112. Minus 108 for Thompson. So the line open Thompson is a minus 115 favorite. Right now, what we're seeing is Neil is a minus 112, 112 favorite. There's been a lot of two-way action coming into this fight. At one point, Thompson was around minus 150 or so. And obviously, sharp betters came in and gobbled up that plus money. Neil, now we're seeing Neil be the slight favorite. We're seeing some sharp betters come in and take the other side on Thompson as well. So there is an extreme amount of money coming in. Two-way heavy action on this fight. I've seen it firsthand. I mean, this is a very popular fight at the betting window and a lot of opinions out there for both these guys and it's it's definitely an intriguing and difficult matchup i think to predict and bet to a certain extent because thompson one of the best fighters i've seen as far as striking in in my life really i mean all aspects across the board in combat sports i mean his body his kickboxing obviously his effective technique in the ufc we've seen it time and time again he's one of the most fantastic and elite level strikers i've ever seen i mean and the guy deserves all the credit i mean for turning his striking into a title worthy or, or number one contender type of spot in the UFC. Cause that's not easy to do from the striking background that he comes from. So he's put in a lot of work, a lot of self-discipline and a lot of time to get his game to where it is right now. So have to respect him, but he's facing a very dangerous opponent, dangerous opponent in uh, Jeff Neal here. It's not for sure. Neal, 
another striker that has the ability to finish fights. And I think he's got good technique to follow it up. A lot of these guys that Thompson fights in the past have been not exactly sloppy brawlers, but I don't think they have that technique and the technical aspect to go along with the power that Neil has. So Neil is definitely one of the best strikers in the UFC that Thompson has faced. And combine that with his wrestling and with his power and with his grappling ability. I mean, this is definitely an interesting and tough matchup for Thompson. And this is a spot for Neil, obviously, if he gets a win of Thompson, I mean, he puts himself in that title mix for sure. And he's going to get the respect he deserves from the fans and from the rankings committee. So this is a very important fight for both guys. Thompson wants to get back in that title hunt and Neil wants to kind of bypass him and take that spot from him and, and get in the mix for sure and get the best win of his career. I think this fight is going to be fireworks, another spot where we're going to see these guys both having success back and forth. But when it comes down to it at this point in their career, I actually trust Neil a little bit more. I think he's a little bit more durable. I, th I think he his recovery time, even though we've seen Thompson recover fairly well as his career progresses at 37 years old. I mean, and with Neil's power on the other end of it, I don't think he's going to be able to recover if Neil cracks him here. I think Neil has the ability to kind of hop on a submission if, if he needs to afterwards or follow up and finish the fight there as well. So I think if this fight hits the scorecards, it's going to be really close. It'll be a split decision type of fight, and Neil can obviously win that. I think if there's going to be a finish, obviously both these guys are capable of finishing. They've proven that time and time again, but... I think it's more so Neil that gets a finish here over Thompson. So I do like Neil on this spot, and I think there is a little bit of value in my pick him price because he could be realistically a higher favor in this spot. So in my opinion, it's a Neil or pass situation, and I think he's the right pick here. All respect in the world to Thompson. I, again, he's such a good fighter. I have a ton of respect for him, but I just think stylistically this is a difficult matchup for him, and I think Neil's going to get him. So my pick is Jeff Neil. Get done. Yeah, this is another situation where you have somebody that's a surging contender in Jeff Neal that really hasn't quite had that elite opponent yet, at least in the UFC. Yeah, he did fight Kevin Holland before he ever got to the UFC and he lost. Um, but uh, taking on somebody in Stephen Thompson who has faced the best of the best in the, the welterweight division. I mean, you look at Thompson's track record. I mean, he has gone through the ringer. Uh, he's got wins against Robert Whittaker, former champ Johnny Hendricks, uh, title challengers Rory McDonald, Jorge Masvidal. And then uh, most recently, he ended up racking up a, a quality win against Vicente Luque. So, I mean, this guy has faced the who's who of the welterweight division and walked away on uh, with some monster wins. Uh, you know, Neil, on the other hand, as good as he's been, I mean, and he has been sensational so far of C, uh, not just winning, but convincingly winning, getting big time finishes against, you know, Bilal Muhammad, Nico Price, Mike Perry is most three, most recent. Uh, but I don't know. I guess Muhammad maybe is probably his best win. Um, so, you know, this is a monster step up in competition. That's the only thing I'm really concerned about here because, uh, Thompson is potentially vulnerable, having been finished by Pettis, having been hurt, uh, by Till and Woodley. Um, so, uh, the, the, the opportunity is there. If Neil, with his power, with his technique, could totally connect with something and take Thompson out. Uh, but Thompson is really difficult to fight. I mean, this guy has masterful use of range. Uh, he has a very awkward karate style. Uh, Neil is gonna have to, you know, wade into a fire to get inside and start a landing. Even though these guys have the same reach, uh, with uh, Thompson having that kind of sideways fight stance and, you know, having a strong, uh, heavy dose of kicks. Um, it can be really, really awkward to uh, try to engage him in a regular stand-up uh, battle. I mean, you see, you've seen some really good stand-up fighters get flustered. You know, Ray McDonald, Jorge Masvidal, Vicente Luque. Uh, I mean, they got dominated. Uh, Robert Whitaker. So uh, it's very possible that you know this is too much of a step up for Neil, and he gets exposed. But this also could be, you know, the perfect timing for Neil where, uh, you know, we haven't seen him in a year. Maybe he's really taken his game to that next level and he steps in there and connects up with something nasty and takes Thompson out. Um, for me, I think the more most likely outcomes are either a Steven Thompson decision or a Jeff Neal knockout. Um, 
I think one of those two things happens. I'm I'm not sure that Neil can win a decision here. Uh, just with the awkward way that Thompson fights, I think it'll be tough for Neil to consistently outpoint him. And if he is outpointing him, I think he's powerful enough that he would be able to finish him if he's doing that. So I'm going to go Jeff Neal. I think, you know, that not that seven year age app, uh, and the, the surging that he is on, uh, I think he's ready for this big step up. Um, we'll see if it, you know, plays out, but I think that he can connect with something along the way and hurt Thompson and take him out. But Thompson is good enough to win this fight. Absolutely. You know, he has proven himself time and time again against some of the best fighters in the world. And this is no different. So uh, a really good opportunity for both guys. I'm going to go Neil, but I would not be shocked if Wonder Bay, uh pulls off another impressive performance. But Neil will be my pick. So that'll do it for our full event breakdown for UFC Vegas 17. Uh, if we have any free plays to give out, make sure to MMA OB Premium on Twitter. Uh, we currently do have one free bet from Piglord. Uh, so make sure to check that out. It's in our free bet section on MMAOddsbreaker.com. Remember, check out MMA Oddsbreaker Premium. Good luck, everyone, and hopefully the betting gods are on your side this weekend.